Hey everyone, welcome back to Julie Loves Television. I know it's been a while. Kind of was uninspired for a while by what I was watching. Nothing really piqued my interest in the same way, even though I did end up finishing a couple of things I talked about in my last episode. I know for sure I talked about when I started um, the Amazon Prime show, Citadel. I actually finished the entire season. I have very different thoughts now. Some of my thoughts are still the same, but some of the so after watching the whole entire thing, I have different thoughts and I'm actually excited for watching more of it. And what's really, so some related news to that, which I'm going to discuss has some interesting things is, um, that I didn't realize this. I think I did actually see this online, but there can be like a whole spy universe in like the Citadel world where it's not just going to be the show with Richard Madden. That's what it is, right? I think. And Priyanka Chopra. Um, it's actually going to be like a web of, um, funny, web of shows based in different countries around Citadel agents, as far as I know. Hold on, let me bring up my thing. So, one, Citadel was renewed for season two, which I, it, it, the article showed up in Deadline after the entire season came out. Despite the fact that I had read it like a week or so earlier on the Wikipedia page for the show. And I think it must be in like a separate press release because I know it was actually renewed before the show even aired, I'm pretty sure. Um, so there's so news article about the because at the end of the season of Citadel, they had a teaser for the new version that was gonna come out. And it was just I don't think there was any speaking in the teaser. It made me kind of think it was Polish, but apparently it's an Italian chapter of Citadel, even though when I read it on the Wikipedia page, that there's an Indian chapter, I believe, and it had, like, mentioned the stars, because it's a pretty big, Bollywood's pretty big, so I assume it must be, like, it was high, high enough interest to make it over to the main pages, Wikipedia, like, um, notes, but yeah, Italian chapter is like apparently the next one, but apparently it's not until 2024, which means this, like, I wonder if the next season of Citadel does not even come out until 2025 or something, maybe? I don't know. I hate when they're so spread out, like the seasons, because it's like, yes, granted this, the show is released week by week, which I did not realize while I was, um, reading, watching it. week by week is fine if you release them far apart I suppose it's a little bit like regular television even though in that way it feels smaller but if it's only a six episode season it makes even less sense to do so far apart but um anyways I don't know if that makes any sense so next chapter it's called Citadel Diana locally created produced and filmed in Italy Production wrap earlier this year, so it'd take a year to do post production. Interesting. Hmm. But yeah, interesting. I don't really know what this locally created thing produced and filmed. I mean, film makes sense because it, whatever. But if it's based on like the similar like universe, how does it make sense to be created? But I guess it's different characters. I want. I don't know if there's much of a through line. Um. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting about it. Oh, it says, 
and I really like the ending. I want to talk about it. I made notes on it, but there's something else I've got obsessed with over the past week that I want to talk about now. And I could come back to Citadel. Wait, let me help me check on my, how many notes I made for it. There's actually two pages. No, I guess that's one of my notes from last time. I think I wrote the rest of my notes on Google Drive and I didn't. I don't want to open that up right now. I keep going back and forth and making notes like by hand because it's so much easier to write notes by hand when you're like just sitting on the couch watching television or something like that because it's, it's, it's such a process and I have really like a 10 year old Mac um, that I got in like junior year of high school or something like that and I cannot leave it unplugged for more than like an hour with a battery dying beside the point I can afford a new computer I just don't want to because apparently you don't really need it a ton anymore for obvious reasons because everything's not needed to do on your own computer if you're not in like school anymore anyways um yeah which I thought it'd be interesting it says it's gonna be in 2024 like I said the woman in the lead has like a very weird haircut hopefully that is explained somehow because how can you be a spy with the most unusual haircut that would obviously draw attention to you if you were a spy besides the point kind of related to the thing from the last one about being too pretty of leads I mean they're not they're, they're very striking like Priyanka Chopra and Richard Madden are very striking so I'm like I don't understand how this is still um believable spies it's so striking they, they're just so strikingly they're like you have to be able to recognize them anyways I really like the end of that show um, but yeah, I'll get back to it whenever. So it's not really my thing right now. Anyways, what brought me back, and it really inspired this because I have not been able to stop thinking about this over the past week since I first saw it, is um, Culpa Mia on Amazon Prime. It's my fault in English. Um, I was so surprised by how obsessed and how much I could not stop thinking about this like it even inspired like me trying to find other things and my reading like me reading books and stuff which is so strange because it's very rare for that to something like that to occur for me and that really tells you that this is I find this to be really good so Amazon Prime movie. It's like two hours long. It stars two actors that you, someone may recognize from Scandal Espana. Um, I know this. It's kind of. I don't know how niche that sort of thing is because it's technically not watchable in the United States because a localized production of something in Spain. That's a series format of something from Norway it, and has like this whole cult following online about watching it and translating it and finding ways to watch it because I don't think any of them have like their US rights any to any of the shows besides the American version that was on Facebook Watch when that was first a thing and still a thing. It's no longer a thing, but... We can talk about that another time. 
and how, like my thoughts on that format because I've seen a lot of it and kind of fell off. But so Nicole Wallace, who plays Noah, the main female character, um, is more recognizable for, from me from this show from Scam España because she was um, she was in the that format's season of the Nora storyline if you're familiar with it. And because it's my favorite season, probably controversially being my favorite season of the, um, the format type, um, be, it, that's a very unpopular opinion. I think most people like the, what's his name? Oh man, I forget what his name is. It's like blonde. Oh no, I don't remember. It's been so long since I've watched any of it, but yeah. Like, the reason that format, that season, because, so, I have to, you have to explain it if you don't know what it is. So, it originated in Norway as a, like, online-y sort of very, like, newish type of, like, um, type of programming, I want to say. So... Every season revolved around a different character as, like, the main storyline. And in the original, like, Norwegian version, I mean, pre- <clears throat> subsequent, subsequent um, ones are the same, but it's a little, it varies on, like, the other country's iteration of it. But, so every season revolved around a certain, um, and this is kind of a tangent, but and besides the point, um, or all revolves around a different character. And they would release scenes throughout the week at the time that the scene would be happening in real time. So if, like, you were, like, a scene in the story was happening at, like, 10 a.m. on a Monday, they would release a scene at 10 a.m. on a Monday of what's happening at that time in the character's life. And it'd happen throughout the week to then culminate into, like, a final scene that would air, and it would then air, I think, it, I believe it would air on actual television as, like, one full through-line episode that you, in case you didn't watch it throughout the week or in to get the final scene. But, and I, I think that's what, that's what, what, what was it? Oh, man, what would we missed out on? Like, that's the type of programming I think they wanted to go for. Just they didn't pick the right type of programming and they were going for an older audience and because in the pandemic they were going for that kind of different audience and that and i think this show it does it did it very well because it was very popular in like the it's a very to high schoolers and um their lives and it wasn't necessarily a chopped up movie that was happening it was like a day in a life that told a story that felt realistic happening throughout the week Anyways, so what I really like about Nora's season of that show, which revolves around Nora character, obviously there's different names in different countries, um, but revolving around the same storyline, and it, they varied what season it is, but most of the time it was season two, and almost, yeah, every version at least had, the first season was based around a character named Ava, and the second season, Nora, and her journey. And what I really enjoyed about that season was like the opposite attracts type of storyline, which kind of explains why I like this movie. So Nicole Wallace, who plays Noah, the main female character, 
was in the same as much of storyline but i realized it just it, this works so much better for her in this show despite plain sort of not want i don't want to see similar type but a a, a similar type in the storyline per se not similar character um yeah, and my next my notes is like this. I really want to talk about my thoughts on the scam as format as a whole for because for like a year or two I, when I was there was a ton of this um, different series in different countries were airing and I was just like super obsessed with consuming all of it, especially because a lot of them were airing the Nora season all at the same time. Anyways, and the actor who played Nick, his name is Gabriel. I forget what his I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I forget what it is at this point. It was apparently on the show is Gamasmania too. So, but he car- he played a character more integral to the Ava storyline, which is season one. And I was never, I don't know, like I said, I was never really into any of the other seasons of the show. I re- was one of my favorite tropes is opposite of track in um, like books and movies and stuff like that because it, it can be done so well. And I love it then, and it's it's so built like able to build so much tension in a story that I really enjoy. That you, you can really like feel like the easiest, I suppose. And I really think so. Overall, this story, um, I think is the best version of a genre that is playing in. So the story originated on apparently on Wattpad, and it was a, published into a series of books, um, all originally in Spanish, hence why the movie is in Spanish. Um, and the book just apparently just came out very recently in English, as a tra- in translated form. And of course, I had to read it after I was done with this movie because I'm so, like I, I can't underestimate how much I was obsessed with this movie and thought it was like amazing. Not, for what it is it's amazing for what it is it's like romantic drama with like thriller themes and the acting overall isn't like not terrible nor the writing really i don't think it's not at all like watching the after series which is like a cringe fest upon cringe fest and like the acting in some ways is like oh god it's, it's so bad sometimes but this i could get through most of it and not cringe and and, and but there's also like more of the plot than just the characters being mean and fighting with each other like after movies and you could kind of say it's more akin to like 50 shades of gray movies but it not really in the same way and obviously that's way cringy too and then Noah and Nick characters the main two characters have like amazing chemistry on scene it's green and it's like I've never seen so much chemistry in such a long time I haven't seen that much chemistry in a long time like more so than even like like the after movies or the age of gray where it's like tenuous at best whether or not those the characters at the center of the sto- those stories have chemistry and i like i truly could feel like you could see them falling in love with each other and you could and like how much they had in common with each other and stuff like that it was just insane and of course it's still part of a a ton of common tropes part of the story about it looks like adult contemporary drama it's not super super adult because the newer character is the tail end of high school it's like there's traumatic backstories there's a 
small with age gap. I hate age gap romances anyways. So that's to this is small here. Um, like forbidden love stories, opposite attract, or like all the common tropes in this. And unless you're familiar with the, this genre, the backstory may seem wilder than it actually is in like the genre of books. It's, I would say it's very, definitely similar to books in like the Fallaway series by Penelope Douglas. And if you like a lot of the elements in the movie, I would definitely recommend you read that series. I mean, obviously people, people have issues with like the stories in there, but you like them for what they are. You don't really care if they're realistic or whatever. They're exciting stories and interesting. And not trying to fit what exactly everybody gets in mainstream romances, I suppose. Anyways, um, but before I get to the plot right again, I want to reiterate how much I was obsessed with this movie, and like I've never been before the before the past week. Like I cannot stop thinking about it. I think I've watched the movie like 10 times and I will only watch the movie again to write these all these notes. And it is totally what I wanted Beautiful Disaster to be, the movie that stars Dylan Sprouse and Perfect Addiction. The other movie that came out around the same time has a kind of similar-ish plot going to Beautiful Disaster. Not, not really all the same, but similar themes and it's just like this movie gave me so much hope for the genre because those movies were let's face it disappointing in relation to this like they fit more in line with like the after and the 50 shades of gray movies than they do in with this movie that i once again truly enjoyed um it's like the, but there's also like the other side of it which is like the stuff that Netflix is making in like the Through My Windows movie series which is also in Spanish that movie was also like a real cringe fest I can't imagine what like the sequel is going to be that's going to come out for that Through My Windows series a sequel to it coming out on the 23rd I can't imagine what that the next movie is like the, the first movie was like Oh my god what is happening and why is this making any sense like this is truly something i cannot watch all the way through i don't think i did watch the whole thing all the way through but another side note about this the story before we move into the plot it was originally set the book and the story was originally sent in toronto and los angeles which definitely explains like the plethora of like decidedly not spanish names throughout the story but I do like that they kept it Spanish and moved it to Spain. But they're never specific on where they are, even though I probably wouldn't really know any place they're talking about. Outside of the main storylines, and they never explicitly say. They, I think they only mentioned, like, one of the characters went to Mexico once. And you can tell it's in Europe because of the, um, the license plates that the cars have. And I, I on it really comes from the American perspective that the, the book is in. I can't really tell what sticks out in the story as being weird outside of that. But once again, 
I like that I kept it in Spanish and kept it in Spain. As because um to give it more of like a trueness to like the actual story, even though it's set in the U.S. And I think I think it was set in the U.S. and they actually made it into an English movie. I just I don't think it 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 turned out like after to be completely honest. I think, but so. I, I, obviously, because it just got published in English, I don't know how popular what that would have been or how long that would have taken to get made. So, at the start of the story, we have Noah and her mother are moving away from their family home and all her friend, all their friends in some area of Spain. In the book, it was in Toronto and moving to Los Angeles. But in the in the movie, they're moving somewhere into like a beachside town. I'm sure if you knew Spain, you'd be able to tell. I just, I don't know any of that. Um, Noah's very unhappy with leaving her friends, her school, and her boyfriend, Dan. <laughs> Showing you how English is it. Is this, like, I don't know how common these names are to Spain. If it's just, like, seeing them and hearing them, like, seeing them in the subtitles. It's like, these are decidedly not what you see in, like, any other Spanish stuff I've seen, even though this is not really common to me. Anyways, um, on the drive, Noah's reading Pride and Prejudice, like, it's up in her face, like, covering it, which is, like, obvious foreshadowing for, like, what's gonna happen in the story, sort of, I guess, and it's, like, but the, it very decidedly is different from what the book version shows her as reading. She's less romantic. I think in the book she was reading Thomas Hardy. But I don't, I've never read those books, so I don't really know what they're about. But they made a point of being, like, not always about the happy endings of what she's reading and what Pride and Prejudice. I'm like, that's kind of the opposite. But I get the foreshadowing bit of it. And people, the audience would know what she's reading. Because she was reading Pride and Prejudice and later she would be reading Romeo and Juliet, which is just the very different ending. Um... It totally makes sense why Noah is upset in this story. You don't see her as like a selfish, sorry, and for the most part, don't see her as a selfish as being upset. She's 17 at the very end of her schooling, like the main track of schooling, leaving all she knows behind and her to end of a new place. And of course, the new husband of her mother is like very rich and also a source of tension for Noah because feeling like she's not gonna belong in the sort of life that they're gonna be end up living in and like when they first meet the husband at the new house she's like a bit openly hostile and about the situation not just like sulky um but she warms a bit when no warms a bit when she sees so much effort her mom put into her like the new room into her new and the new house and gets and Noah gets on the phone with her friend and walking through the house complaining how ridiculous it is and how she feels out of place and runs into her get this stepbrother Nicholas first trope I'm okay with this kind of trope because honestly they did not grow up together and I'm, it's totally fine like if they don't meet until they're 17 and they're just moving into the new house together and they're not, not really going to live together for that long period, period of time or at all or they no reason to, and they don't spend much time together in that way. I don't really care. And 
in book format, obviously. Um, yeah, love interest is his stepbrother. Um, and, and he's 21 for most of the movie. And, you know, was given the impression that he's like the perfect child of the family. I mean, there's more backstory there later, but that's what she's been told by her mother. Now, that's the age of 17 and 21, which isn't, I mean, at that age, it's fine, it's pushing, it can push into grossness, but she's also, like, very matured for her age because of all that she's been through that you kind of get through the, uh, the storyline background. Like, she's gone through a lot and is not necessarily naive. Which is, because she's, yeah, I don't want to, yeah. And as soon as Noah and Nick first interact, you know the perfect kid, like, persona is, like, really just a front. And they immediately, like, um, like, bicker with each other. And I, re I really hated the first scene where Nick and Noah interacted. Like, I turned off the movie and did not, and did something else for a minute and came back to it. I'm so glad I did, because I, Nick is a total douche in this first scene, but it serves the story, I guess, and it totally makes sense why he's like this, because it builds up the tension between the two of them, and to the rest of the story, and, like, piques your interest of, like, what's gonna happen from here. I totally thought, I was like, oh no, I'm not going to give or understand the relationship that's gonna be built on afterwards because of how douchey he was and I I kind of didn't see how he was going to become the attractive love interest because because of how like how he was looking in the scene just made like was a total like oh 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 dick um and the first night the, they're all together in the house Nick Noah and their respective parents go, are going to dinner to together and it becomes obvious that Nick has elsewhere to be because he's making us think about having to be there and um, looking at his watch and stuff like that all the time. And they're still, and all the while they're slowly like starting to interweb some of the moments of tension and looks between them, Nick, between Nick and Noah, that sincerely show like a mutual dislike for each other and a bit of, a, a little bit of an attraction toward each other. As I'm watching this, as it goes on, I'm like, oh my god, this is building up so well and they have such great chemistry. I'm like, this is going to be amazing like, how great the chemistry is. And even in these scenes, at the, like, 10-minute mark, like, this movie moves quickly because of the story, let me tell you that. FYI, if you don't notice, I'm reading my handwriting. My handwriting is not the best. I am um, between script handwriting and cursive, and sometimes I can't read what I'm writing. I, I have, like, 17 pages of notes on this movie. Um... Nick is finally then able to excuse himself from the dinner and Noah sees that opportunity to also leave. Nick puts on that he's going to work under the pretense for like a law firm internship because it's easy studying because like in, in Europe, um, you don't have to, you study law in undergrad, you don't have to go to like a specialized graduate school like you do in the US. Um, but their parents like sort of force Nick to give Noah a ride. And like I said, but goddamn, at this point, the tension is so major. They, like, are constantly bickering and making jobs at each other. 
that could very well be hidden as like flirting and it's so delicious um on the drive home nick is driving extremely crazy he's like weaving in and out of traffic noah is becoming very upset and angry and they're like their tent their arguing reaches new heights and Noah end up making like a snide remark about um the love of a mother to nick and Nixon like stops in the middle of the road and leaves Noah there and like her phone dies but luckily at like a star uh, a star a car stops for Noah it happens to be no Nick and take her to a party that Nick is at surprise it's like it's not work it's a party that he's at and you discover that like Nick is like a total party animal and he, this party is also where you're like meant to be like an intersecting of different i hate this word but like gangs of people that they put in english i don't know what the spanish i don't my spanish is terrible at best <laughs> so i don't really know what exactly they said but i feel like they said gangs and like gangs of people who are rivals with each other who interact in a way that pushes the story forward for the rest of the movie and at this party, you meet Ronnie, who's the obvious villain of the story. This guy looks insane when you see him. And I'm like, you see him, you're like, oh my god, he is the villain of the story. Well, sort of like the, one of the main villains, but not like the main, main one. And they're like, he's pointed out as the most dangerous person there, and it's like pretty, and has just gotten out of prison. Side note, I couldn't get through the entire book, so I don't know how accurate, like, his intertwining to, like, the actual ending storyline is. And there's like a Canadian American thing going on in the book that has me questions for later, but that's beside the point for the movie. It makes more sense in the movie. So Nick is like a leader of one of the gangs. He seems to have like gangs seem um like I said, gang seems like a strong word to use, but that's like what they refer to them as. It's it's never clear what gangs crew and gang crew and Nick's crew does exactly that is super needing of a gang culture to form around but like more evolves more around like the insular or rivalries between groups um not not can really be said for like the gangs that they go up against obviously with like the Ronnie character there's like more insidiousness there but and like unhingedness that it it definitely seems like there's more in different areas but maybe they're just focusing in other ways on what each one each one does so you see Nick at the party, being shirtless. <laughs> Red flag number one. Surrounded by women, drinking, partying, and like making out with several of them, which is so gross. And it's like, how can they redeem this character? Um, and Noah ends up like following Nick to like where he ends up alone. For some reason, he's putting on his shirt alone and confronts him for leaving him, her in the middle of the road. I mean, she straight up punches him like a sucker punches him and like the real flirting starts here and like arguing and getting like really close to each other and obviously a lot of it's on nick nick's ends is to get nick nick's end is to get noah off balance because she is so confrontational with him that she starts he starts flirting with her and nick ends up like pushing the hair behind noah's ear and in the middle of all that you can see like a tattoo of like a figure eight knot yeah 
they described it as something different, but I couldn't really follow how they described it. Obviously, it's in Spanish. Um, in Nixie's, this is, like, another point of, like, differences between her and, like, the other people, but it's unclear in the moment why exactly. He's, in, he's intrigued by it and, like, layers that are actually there and know that he, he didn't really expect. And the character ends with Nick wanting Noah to stay out of his life and out of his way. When I, and when I say the two leads have chemistry, this confrontation at the first party is what I mean. It is where the movie like really hooked me as a story. And despite how mean Nick was being, there's like a lot of lightness that makes you really think that the rest of the movie is really going to play out well. Because if 20 minutes in you really want the characters to make out, you you know you've done something well in the movie. Um, Noah then meets Jenna, who is Nick's friend, who becomes like Noah's connection to the world and why she continues to stick around in it and get involved in Nick's world. And Noah's also um I cannot read that word there. Spring Oh, like um talking about how like her boyfriend's so being so out of touch and like slowly dropping hints that there's something wrong with that relationship. Um, and Noah's walking around the party and then catches eye, it catches the eye of Ronnie and his friends who provide Noah with a drink. Nick sees this and is like immediately freaks out on Ronnie and his friend, or apparently are known for like drugging girls when they offer them drinks. And Nick is forced by the drugging and Noah to like take her home. And along the drive, it, Noah is just rambling, which is sort of the first time you see them drop like the angry front facades in front of each other Nick becomes like much more caring and attentive especially when you get them back to their house and he's trying to hide that she's drugged and sort of drugged I suppose from their parents um Nick taking care of Noah you see like a softer side of his character and then in the scene also find out like Noah is afraid of the dark Noah falls asleep and immediately starts having a nightmare um, the transition, it's just a really good transition and really, like, film, good film technique. Transition from the present day to the past so seamlessly by showing her going into the nightmare of, like, what has happened to her in the past. Then you learn that Noah's mother was in a very abusive situation when Noah was little. Foreshadowed a bit by, a bit by the, um, punch that you see in Noah's door in the beginning of, in the first scene of the movie. She's packing up her, her clothes before they, the, they, her and her mother move. Um, the morning after the party, Noah can't remember anything that's happened, and Nick takes advantage of the situation to get ahead of the narrative where they were last night to avoid having like blackmail by Noah by telling his father about it. Like, end up telling him his father that he's not actually a perfect kid. Like, texting the mother, the, the they hang, like, they hung out, and Noah loves. Nick as like a friend or whatever and like that instead at it being at a party she was, he was, she was hanging out at one of Nick's friends houses and they're really close now or something like that and the next another scene you see Noah on the beach and all this she gets like a phone call that's like an unknown number nobody answers sprinkling in stuff for later and Nick's friend and all his friends end up showing up 
Nick's is really no um Nick's and his friends are there to serve. Of course with all the look of their flirting and, and bickering between Nick and Noah with Nick still taunting her about not remembering and slowly talking about stuff Noah was babbling about. I don't really understand the stuff she was babbling about. I sort of get it like something about glass is a liquid even though it seems like a solid it's actually super slow moving in its fragile state that even though it seems so tough it's actually much more fragile than it seems I, I see the undercurrent there I don't know if they flushed it out entirely well in a way that translated between languages I suppose um, and for some reason Nick is changing into a wetsuit on the beach Horse, like to go surfing in full view of everybody and Noah straight up like ogles him pretending to read Romeo and Juliet I'm like straight up zero to like a million right here in that scene in like the feelings you see um and then you get introduced to where the next scene is where things really pick up between the gangs and the parties and what's involved is racing cars is one of those things these car racing scenes are like very well done as far as I can tell for like the type of movie that they're in. They're not, it's not a Fast and Furious movie, so obviously it's not that, but it's still done really well from what I can tell. And in no way did I expect them to be as good as they are, as thrilling as they are, or interesting. Like, you, you kind of gotta not look too hard at it, but I think it's done really fairly well. And of course, Nick is favorite one of these races. That, that they're doing with this car that is red Porsche, I think. Um, right in the first race, actually, where Nick is racing. As, like, uh, it's like an elimination bracket-style thing. Noah walks in and is completely distracts Nick. Noah's wearing very, like, extremely short shorts and, like, a lot of makeup. And you see Nick is, like, so thrown off by her that he instantly gets behind the race. I really like this scene because you then start seeing him hints at liking her back. Or I think this is more of the scene when you like he first realizes there's more there in their relationship and the feelings, I suppose. You can also see in the scene backtrack. Nick still wins the race, but is behind at first, and all of his friends like mentioned how distracted he is, and some people notice this because of Noah. But you also see that Noah is completely entranced by the scene of racing and stuff. And there's like a deeper understanding of cars that she has and the t- those type of races. And how they work and what's needed to win and stuff like that. A little bit foreshadowed earlier because she was hesitating over taking a photo that was on her desk of her and her. You kind of assume that's a father at that point. In front of her, like a race car holding up a trophy. Um, then Noah is anonymously sent photos of her boyfriend and her best friend making out. Um, she then goes into, like, complete partying and drinking mode to try to, like, distract herself. And we just definitely gets the attention of Nick, who can't stop looking at her. Noah, like, then makes out with a random guy to take, like, photos in order to send her ex so she can, like, move on to. But then Nick interrupts and finds out what she's doing, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, asks if she, he could help her the photos she wants to send and then if she if he does that will she leave 
And of course, them making out is like a natural progression of the flirting, but you can tell he has thrown them both off by the offer. Nick puts Noah in his car after they make out. It's a pretty good scene. Um, to get, um, so Nick puts Noah in, in her car, in his car, to get a ride from the fr- the friend Jenna, and immediately Nick is so freaked out about why it's happened that he going to another g- girl to make out and do more with, and not end up doing that, but um, because he's just so freaked out about the feelings that has emerged by kissing Noah, I don't really. It's so crazy that he even thought that was not gonna happen but he's so like disconnected from feelings and intense feelings with uh, with women that I don't know if he really expected deeper feelings to emerge in that way because they have so much in common and while Noah's in the car Ronnie rolls up and basically gets her to race him a bit to prove a point to Ronnie that she can beat him she actually does it and you see Noah's very skilled at driving and ends up beating Ronnie despite the super aggressive tactics by Ronnie. Nick is on the side, completely flabbergasted about the entire race and so surprised that she's able to do so well. Despite Noah winning, Ronnie then like creates a stink about them cheating. And like basically told her to do it. Despite full knowing it was Nick in the car and basically forcing her to actually Egg part, so it's only any. Obviously, it's for there, there for a reason. Obviously, he's manipulative. But then you know the consequences are kind of huge. Um, for Nick, he gets like really upset by this. The prize is fifteen thousand euros, and the Porsche that Nick raced in. Um, Noah instigates more of an argument with Ronnie that then devolves into an all-out fight. Noah gets caught in the middle and then is thrown in back into PTSD of like past abuse. Doing his parents, her parents use him. Luckily, Nick, Noah, and Jenna escape. Clearly, um, there's gonna be future trouble from Ronnie. And the drive away from the race, Noah sees Nick has like a tattoo on his like inner arm, just like Noah does behind the ear. Um, Nick and Noah share another moment of like understanding and care between the two of them because like there's obviously like a similar thing going on, but beneath the surface between both of them and like next like four days pass with nick not being at home waking up somewhere that he's surrounded by liquor bottles um and at this point noah and her parent and their their parents are getting ready for the gala that nick is supposed to be also attend um at the end of the night they come back with nick never having shown up noah's on the couch when nick walks in later that night and they have then proceed to like make out on the couch. Nick stops it, saying that like can't do that because he he can't control the feelings that he has for her. This can be like interpreted as like toxic from him in a certain way, but you, he's not saying it in a way that's makes him like a bad person. More that he has feelings that he doesn't understand and is completely thrown off by it you can interpret it more as that's what I'm interpreting it as um and clearly there's more intense feelings that spring up that Dick doesn't Nick doesn't know how to handle he keeps everyone's at arm's length to like never let anyone 
into his life to hurt him and finding himself not understanding why Noah has like irresistibility to him. Clearly a lot had to do with like intense feelings because they're actually so similar in so many ways. Like why he's pushing her away. Um, Noah then becomes a bit of an instigator. She begins to like openly flirt with Nick and like hiding behind a behind bickering and stuff she she's like washing her car and is being very like forward about flirting with Nick but then is interrupted by her mom bringing her ex-boyfriend to visit and the next thing that happens after this is like one of the most fun of the movie there's a a pool party with Nick's friends at the house Noah is trying to impress on Nick the seriousness of trying to hide her ex from her from her ex because she sent the photo of Nick and Noah kissing to the ex to try to show like hey I moved on I'm not hurt by you obviously because obviously she has like a very similar thing to Nick even though it's like not shown as well as like she doesn't want to be hurt either or express that she's ever hurt and, um, and really doesn't want anybody to find out what her and Nick have been doing. And there's, like, so much movement in trying to hide Nick behind, like, an umbrella and pushing Nick into a pool. And Nick is just pestering Noah with trying to get in the middle constantly between her and her ex-boyfriend talking and arguing. This scene is, like, really well choreographed and light and fun. Nick ends up pulling Noah into the pool and buying pool floats that inexplicably do not move. And it's like crazy connection between the two is like boiling over at this point and like they make out um, in the pool. Like, so can be caught by anybody. But there's like the feelings are so much there that they just give into it a bit. Later that day, Nick is, I think it's later that day, time is real struggle in this um nick is caught by ronnie and friends who proceed then to beat him up i don't really understand why but i guess it's sort of like a result of the scenes earlier him getting away nick goes back to the house and sees noah's ex go into her room because he clearly becomes very jealous and goes in the backyard that has like a view of the rooms and but ends up actually finding noah sleeping out there and he gets closer to her and notices like, she has this car in her stomach. Um, now, I wish this reveal had been more, like, when in the book. When Noah's much more, like, clear about constantly covering herself up, especially during, like, them getting very close to each other and, like, pushing him away because of how close he is to, like, seeing the scars and stuff like that. And, like, being uncomfortable with any sort of, like, intense closeness because of that. Um, but in prior scenes there's like really no inclination of sensitivity around that area of herself maybe it's hinting at and sort of like but it's hinting at some sort of undiscovered past between them and what's in them getting closer is sort of pushed down because she's so sensitive to it but it makes sense and I guess it's sensitivity is really only when Nick Noah punches Nick when she wakes up and he he, she, he's so close but granted she says he's she thought it was her ex 
that was sitting closely. And Noah sees the engineering sign next and begins to tend to him. It becomes evident that the situation between them is not only about, like, a physical attraction, but, like, a tenderness and a real underlying emotional connection. Nick reveals Ronnie and his friends are after both of them and that Noah and him should stick together to be safe and it's this really sweet scene. And it's, like, one of the first time that Noah actually, like, in- initiates, like, a f- physical interaction. All the other times I've been started by Nick and there's no really understanding of, like, the feelings on Noah's side between the pair. And a sweetness and tenderness occurs and it's, like, a real concern for Noah and for the well-being of Nick. Of course, they're interrupted by Noah's ex, who's still in the house until the next flight out the next day, apparently. And Noah's still getting occasional anonymous threatening messages through texts and flowers at the house and, um, mailed letters. And they had no idea who they were from. Next scene, the whole friend group is on the way to another, like, gang to get together. That Noah doesn't really know what it is for. Each of, like, the get-togethers between them is, like, all different places. Not always the same thing. But apparently there's, like, commonalities a lot of times. But maybe just over a short, short period and trying to fit it all into a movie that's choosing where big moments happen. Um... So, next, I'm trying to skip over some of this. So, um, when they're in the car together, it's Nick, Noah, a friend, Mario, of Nick's that's sort of has, like, a full, who, pick, who picked her up in the beginning of the movie when Nick left her on the road. No, on the road. And there's a sort of, like, a unknown, ooh, slight flirtation between the two. Um, and you sort of, and a person that Nick hooked up with in the past and sort of I don't know did and they don't really say if there's anything going on still but it's sort of like they're friends and stuff happens sort of um and you sort of learn some backstory about both Nick and Nora not Nora oh my god I'm so sorry Nick and Noah all of a sudden got got Nick and Nora's infinite playlist went through my head um so Noah's dad was a race car driver. In the book, he's a NASCAR driver. They say rally car driver. I don't really know how much that means in Spain or what it means. Because I think in the beginning, the car looked like a Mini Cooper, to be completely honest. I don't know if it was. It just looked like one in the photo of the race one. And Nick's mother abandoned him when um, he was young and he rebelled real hard after that. Until Nick needed to go back home to his father and start hiding all of his behavior from his father. And it's, it's like the whole reason for buying, hiding the rebelliousness is explained in greater detail in the book. And like why he's hiding it in that way. Why he came back is explained in further detail. And there's little hints of it in the movie but not fleshed out as much. When they go up to the meetup location... Noah learns that it's actually like an underground fight that's going on and this gets Noah very anxious and apprehensive clear she's it's very clear that she's been endured a lot of like violence and physical abuse in the house in the past with her parents and with Nick not knowing that he's not fully understanding what why is this such a huge issue for her Noah's being comforted by like the male friend Mario 
and Nick becomes extremely jealous and it scares Noah even more admitting that she's scared of Nick and like they can no longer do anything with each other because she's or have anything to do because she's so scared get the mod then go into a montage of Nick and Noah moving around each other in their world and pining and kind of longing for each other and it's clearly painful for each being around each other and not being able to express themselves there's like <laughs> there's this expedi- exp- exposition dump between Nick and his father really out of nowhere and in the book it was between Nick and Noah instead and kind of more of an emotionally charged relevant charged relevant moment in the story but Nick's father tells him Noah's father is not dead and was just released from prison he was in jail because of a very violent incident where Noah's father tried to kill Noah after years of physical abuse towards Noah's mother. The conversation for Nick is like very eye-opening and Noah really was fully why Noah's pushed him away. Noah thought Nick was potentially like her father and she was truly afraid of her father. Her father enjoyed violence and all the signs to know were that Nick reveled in the same pastimes and she couldn't let herself get sucked into that situation again. Nick's father initiated this this, this this discussion to convince Nick to look after Noah because he believed she wouldn't take a higher driver and being with at least someone such as Nick would, who would keep an eye on her would be better. Jenna and then the next scene, Jenna and Noah are out drinking at a party. Nick is trying to get in touch with them. In the meantime, you see that there's this person in the background who's working with Ronnie. It's actually on the side. There's like side scenes of showing like a figure and panning up and not seeing the face until this scene but you see that the person who's been working with ronnie sitting outside the car where jenna and noah are partying at is noah's father noah's super wasted and they're heading out to get a ride the trick of a camera like shows the person getting out of the car with the feet on the ground making you think that it's noah's father that's coming to like have a confrontation or potentially do worse but Nick pops into the scene, which is a relief to you, to the audience. Noah forgot her jacket, goes inside. Jenna tells Nick that Noah has been spiraling for weeks because of him. Um, Noah then is proceeds to be locked in the closet by somebody, by the uh, someone jealous that Nick used to ho- hook up the, with it from the prior scene before the fight in the car. Um... Sorry, I lost my place. One second. Um, and so you see, when she was locked in the closet, she has like another PTS flashback where she's, where she was put into a closet by her mother to hide from their father. And this is where she ends up being attacked by her father in the closet and why she's afraid of the dark and stuff like that. Nick finds her and as she's freaking out and like finally takes her home. Nick is once again helping Noah get into bed drunk like earlier in the movie. She gets much more undressed here because she was swimming at the horse party they were at earlier. Nick asks Noah to stay and he does. She tries to attempt something but like Nick stops her telling her that he doesn't want her to be scared of her anymore and they can't do anything until she is not scared of her anymore. Scared of him anymore. Next morning next morning scene it's like really sweet and cute Nick still doesn't want to do anything despite like the feeling of intense connection between them the scene is so good but then Nick's father walks into the room clearly looking for, at, asking 
Noah, if she knows where Nick is, he's truly shocked when you find them in bed together. Despite the audience knowing nothing has truly been happening the night before, he obviously he thinks more has happened. Instead of any discussion, Nick's father gets to the point saying that Nick's little sister on his mom's side is in the hospital. Nick was known to rush to the hospital on the way to the hospital um, to home. Nick stops after the scene at the hospital. They, Nick stops the car as he regrets how things have um, occurred in their relationship. It's tr- it, He's like, it's my fault, hence the title of the movie. How everything went down, he wishes he could go back and change how all their interactions have occurred. Because now they've been caught, that they truly think nothing could happen between them anymore. And knowing that their respective parents know something's going on between them, and there's like no way that would be still be allowed to occur. This is the first thing you really get a sense of how deeply the two feel you have each other, and not being purely physical, but more a lot more emotional things going on here, and sort of like admitting to each other what sort of feelings they have. Um. Now, as ridiculous as the next scene is, I don't know how it unfolds. This is not how it happens in the book. I think there's like a sort of similar thing going on in the book but like the main thing um they know since the last time together they decide to have sex on the beach there's so many rocks in the sand i'm like what does this make any sense (laughs) um in in a car before this why did they get out onto a beach where anybody could see them this is not a busy road i'm thinking to myself um the one thing i do appreciate is that it's different from the book, is that they don't say anything about it being Noah's first time. This scene is more about the two of them being together than that cliche sort of thing in books. It's not exactly my favorite thing, and I hate, like, the intense focus on them, because it happens, like, after, like, a lot of those book-to-movie adaptations, and it's nice that it's refreshing that it's something different. Um... And next morning, they're, like, really enjoying their time together. We're watching, walking along the beach and talking. And, like, you truly see a really great connection between, between the two of them. Just how cute they are together. Which is really nice change of pace from all, like, the super intense interactions they've had previously. This is slow and nice and cute and light and fun. Um, I'm, I'm sort of skipping over, like, the more intense things. Because I feel myself blushing as I'm talking. But... They stopped at a gas station. Simplest to the point of why they're there. Nick goes inside. Noah is kidnapped from the car by Ronnie. And then, um, it, it then just gets to Nick identifying Ronnie on the video from the gas station of her, the kidnapping. I so want to know what conversations were leading up to this moment. If he had to explain what they were doing before and like why they were there so early in the morning. Because it was like... They said it was right before sunrise. I think it was still right before sunrise when this happened. It had to be crazy uncomfortable admissions in front of the parents. Nick tries to apologize to Noah's mom, but she is too upset because she thinks Nick's connections are at fault for why they're there in the situation because of Ronnie. Nick's father tells him if Noah comes back, then he has to stay away from her. Um, then they get a phone call, and it ends up being that Noah's father is the person who is a part of it and leading it and demands one million euros um later they're staking out the drop location 
where Nick's father, Noah's father, wants the money to be dropped off, and they find that, um, out that Noah's and Noah's father and Ronnie were in the same prison together. Now this, I kind of skipped over this when I was reading the book because I kind of didn't like it in the same way I like the movie, which sucks. I wonder if they were in prison together in the book, because if Noah is originally from Canada. Is it common for American and Canadian criminals to be in the same jails? Or was... Because he was in jail for the physical abuse, I think. Because the only reason that Noah's father is mad at Noah is because she testified against him. So... Was it a smuggling thing? That no, Ronnie was in jail between Canadian and American borders. Because I guess he would be deported from Canada to the U.S. if he was got out of jail. In the book situation, it makes way more sense in the movie that it's only existing between Spain. Within Spain, not between Spain. Um, so next, what happens? There's a... Um, Nixon realizes that Ronnie must still have the car in whatever location they're in that he took from the race earlier from Nick. And he realizes he has, like, the insurance um, GPS thing. Apparently, you have a GPS tracker in the car for insurance purposes. And a car chase ensues. Pretty good. This one between Nick and Noah, because Noah's driving with a gun to her head by her father. Um... And it also, like, flashes back to a scene er- earlier where there's, like, some sort of trick happening. They're on the couch after the, the gal that Nick has missed. Noah is watching a scene, scene from something on TV. I don't know if it's actually real. It seems super fake. But it could be from something else. Of, like, a, a turn where they're doing, like, a... I don't know how to describe it. Two cars are going in circles around each other to, like, go side by side in circles around each other. I'm not familiar with cars, so I can't really describe it. And there's like some sort of like eye connection, and they rem- are understanding like what they each want, what they want to do in order to like get a clear shot of the father. And the police in the car, the police person in the car with n- police woman in the car with Nick shoots Noah's father. And there's sort of like a fake out because you're not really knowing who gets hurt in the situation until. Noah and Noah's mother and Nick's father come into the scene. And you see someone under a tarp and Noah's mother thinks it's Noah but it ends up being Noah's father who's dead. And next scene, Nick sneaks into Noah's room at home. She, she doesn't want to be alone. They have sex again. Um, Nick tells Noah he loves her, which she doesn't believe at first because earlier in the movie there was like a discussion with Jenna that the right time to say I love you is after they have sex. Not, not a particular person, like the right time to say it. Because if they say it before, she says it's because he, they want, he wants you and not because they actually love you. And if it's after, it's, you would know you truly means it. I do find it interesting that she never says it back. She never says I love you back to him. They do a good job of, like, um, setting up a sequel as a jumping-off point at the end of the movie here. 
the parents are seemingly discussing in the backyard how to get the situation to stop and Nick has never not Nick Noah hasn't said to Nick that she loves him which could be an interesting conflict for another story I have no I have no idea what happens in the next two books because obviously only the first one was translated and came out like literally maybe a week or two ago and so I don't know what's going to happen I'm kind of interested in what's going to happen in the story and I kind of wish you didn't have confirmation that the father was in, was dead because it'd be an interesting story to like if he escaped was able to get away and it's like could come back later but also like but possibly a good story to come off of for the next book next movie would be based around maybe Nick's mother being involved somehow because they don't really get into his backstory in the same way that they do in the book even though it's not really fleshed out in the book either overall I really enjoyed this movie like it's romantic they have really great chemistry um a lot going outside a lot going on in the story wise outside of the romance that didn't make you feel super ridiculous about watching it in the same way like after in 50 shades of gray or 50 shades of gray is more like a similar thing but that one's just so like high gloss in a way and not great chemistry between the two main actors and it feels more ridiculous even though this is super ridiculous story um i've actually read a lot of books recently along like a similar vein that i really enjoyed that i really think could make interesting movies in a similar way it's kind of like what i liked about like the safe haven movie the nicholas sparks was nicholas sparks book had a similar like dangerous backstory that's bleeding into the main plot of the story while the romance is going on and is more gritty and crime for thrillery and i really like those in um, romance books that you can read um like k.a tucker has like mystery thriller dramatic romantic books that i are more are more more adult oriented that i think are actually pretty good because i'm more familiar with her like more i don't want to say why yeah maybe why novels and i did not expect these books and the, the books she writes in that series is actually pretty good actually i have the i have the books on my apple books let me see what they are because I, I think they're really good in like blending all those topics together you know um, what is this? I know I've read these recently. I don't... Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> I know I have them on here. I forget what they... Oh, it's Ten Tiny Breaths series. Some very similar stories in there. Like similar mix of story that I find interesting in this movie um and I think the upside is that sequels gives the better ability to explore the relationships especially because it was more physical in the first one that there's space to enjoy and explore more of like a emotional connection and definitely like I said bringing Nick's mother into it is definitely another element that would elevate upon the prior movie and the ways that like these other romantic dramas don't do well 
like after it just goes nowhere and tells the same story over and over again and the like through my window thing i don't know where they would, are gonna go with that sequel it just seems so ridiculous anyways my obsession for the week my fault i definitely watched the movie it is so good and so well done so unexpected of a find for me this week and it's like number three on amazon prime and i'm surprised more people aren't talking about it i somehow got i don't have tiktok but on instagram reels it's got looped into the reels category and like they have hundreds of thousands of likes of some of these videos just crazy to me um so let's go to netflix and your usual top 10 to talk about it and see what might be interested in next week's Top 10 US TV Black Mirror. I don't really care about that. I've seen a couple episodes. Surrogacy seems too scary for me. Suits is number three. That's crazy. It's on Peacock too, so it's not like exclusive to Netflix. But I like Suits. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I kind of want to watch it more of it. Never have I ever loved a relationship. I watched the fourth season after skipping the middle two. I think. Manifest. I started watching that and didn't get fully into it. Fubar. Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. Um, I might watch it. it. Seems sort of interesting. SWAT, All American, Our Planet, Right at First Sight. Nothing super interesting. Forever My Girl in the movie thing. It's really good. I would watch it. It's not the best acted, well made thing, but I think it's really excellent. Thank you for listening to Julie Loves Movie. Or <laughs> Julie Loves Television. I'm always never going to get that right.